I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Camp Crystal Lake is jinxed. We've got a death curse. Some folks claim they've even seen him. Right in this area. Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing on this mess? The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claimed she saw Boy, is he dead too? We didn't find any boy. And he's still there. He is still there, and that means we are also still here for uh, at least this week and something special next week because I know everybody's going to think, hey, we're out of movies, but we'll get to that towards the end. We are back one more time. I am Chris. I am also Chris. And I have special dispensation (sighs) for 24 hours. I am finally Chris. Yes! I'm 24 hours. It only took uh, 12 weeks. About fucking done. (laughs) The wheels of government turn slow. Oh, God, don't I know that? Um, Mm -hmm. And we are here all together one more time for our Friday the 13th special series. This is entry number 12. The 2009 remake, reboot, reimagine, uh, re-whatever word you want to use that they were afraid to use the word reboot. Uh, they didn't want to use the word reboot uh, during the entire ramp up to it. But here we are. The 2009. Yeah. the uh, um, Where it took pretty much... Uh, Jason X notwithstanding, um, the best movies and crammed them into one. Um, released in 2009, and one of the few Friday the 13th movies to actually be released on a Friday the 13th in February uh, from Michael Bay and Platinum Dunes production. We have... Friday, just Friday the 13th. That's all it is. Yep. And uh, coming off of the success of Freddy vs. Jason, which was, uh, to that point, still six years after Freddy vs. Jason, we have this one uh, with a budget of $19 million. It brought in, are you ready for this? Okay. Nine, it, 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 uh, $19 $19 is the the baseline. We spent 19. Okay. It brings back 92.7. Shoo. So almost almost 100 million dollars. So knocking on the door. So successful that of course it would have, you know, reinvigorate the series and produce several more, right? Oh, yeah, obviously. Right? Right? Oh, you guys. uh, We are now in 
the longest span since a Friday the 13th movie because it has been since February 13th, 2009 since we've had one. Jesus. Yeah. Well, Scott, how do you feel? This is definitely your fault. Oh, um, I'm completely fine with it. Um, I sleep well at night. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, right now, the big thing that troubles me is uh, the fact that we haven't gotten the Jason X sequel. Ooh, now there's conflict because Koron wants to like that, but doesn't want to like it because Scott said it. Yeah. <laughs> now we're conflicted. Okay, well, let's change that then. So we'll, we'll end Koron's conflict. Uh, actually, I'm losing sleep over the fact we still haven't got the Jason Takes Manhattan sequel. You know, Get the fuck out. Jason Takes the Bronx. Or Well, uh, if, if, you heard, if you heard our Halloween episode with uh, special guest Kane Hodder, uh, he did, in fact, say that he wishes uh, that he could go back and uh, do uh, shoot more stuff in Manhattan and New York. So he he agrees with you. Okay. So well, alas, I did not get to listen to the Halloween episode. I was busy helping uh, my parent from furniture for like twelve hours yesterday. Oh well. Well, it's been up for uh, almost twenty four. So what's your excuse? I was sleeping the rest of the time. I don't believe you. <laughs> You've been I, texting me all day today. I don't believe I, you. Those were pre-recorded texts. Oh, shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess. Uh, shot in Texas. Uh, so this movie definitely has a, a different look to it than uh, some of the other Fridays that have come before. Um. Definitely looks not like a New England or California shoot. Um, But here's the interesting thing about it. Uh, You know, the rights were all divided up where, um, you know, New Line got domestic release. Paramount got international release, uh, release rights. Uh, The the rights were actually divided up four ways. Um, But... Unlike the other Platinum Dunes, because two other movies had been remade by Platinum Dunes before we got to Friday the 13th. And that's uh, the Amityville Horror in 05 mm-hmm. and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 03. Huh. And the interesting thing about it is um, both of the other two movies were period pieces. Uh, they were not set, you know, quote unquote, in current day. They were both uh, flashing back to an earlier time. Um, so Friday the 13th was the first one of the Platinum Dunes remake, reboot, relaunch kind of titles uh, that was was uh, presented as a present day movie. <laughs> I like that. So it's uh, It's interesting, and I've never really thought about it that way. Kind of, uh, kind of an interesting. It it was something kind of different for them when dealing with licensed stuff. Um, So, and they take a very different approach to it. Uh, This movie is essentially, no matter what they want to say, that it's not a reboot, not a remake, not a re whatever. Uh, It is essentially the 
the highlights of the first four movies yeah. crammed into one movie and actually kind of crammed into two because the opening of this movie is so long. Yeah, that prologue is like, what, almost a half an hour? Yeah, that you think, like, these are the characters. Uh, Guinness World Record holding longest uh, awesome. time until the title sequence shows up in a movie. That's awesome. And I hope nobody ever breaks it because I love to see Friday the 13th having a record. Um, so, yeah. Um, you get kind of attached to the... Because it's weird because like the opening, the prologue is like a very traditional Friday the 13th movie. And then the rest of the movie is kind of like this new approach, um, a different take on Jason and who he is and how he operates and behaves. Um, so you kind of get the best of both worlds. It's kind of fun. Um, I found it interesting that they, they tried to, from the, from the, from the onset straight going into that prologue, uh, you know, where they show the, the end of the, the, the Pamela Voorhees killings. Yeah. Everything, which, first of all, I, I found the casting of Nana Visitor, uh, very interesting casting for that. I, I would have never in a million years thought of her being Pamela Voorhees, but they tried to lay the rest, uh, the, the uh, uh, fan theory, fan fight, debate, whatever you want to call it, of you know, was was um, was Jason still alive? Did he did he see his mom get killed? Type thing. Uh, I found it interesting. They they tried to dispel that in the beginning because you clearly see Jason in the woods, you know, and he's there when his mom gets killed and stuff. Um, but. All it did was just bring, in my mind, it just brought up another another point that if he's actually alive, why why is he hiding? Why does it he go, hey, hey, mom, I'm I'm I'm, okay. I'm actually okay. You can you're gonna kill her anyway. Okay, cool. Let's because go. he's an idiot mongoloid that can't talk. But he can still express love. When he, <laughs> up he can you know jump up and down excitedly and go you know hey guys you know, something. He's not sloth from the Goonies. Yes, he is. This, this is slothy. Okay, so you're saying you you're you're saying that uh, right now here in front of everybody in the year of our Lord 2020. Yeah, like let's 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 lay the uh, let's lay the groundwork down. That you are saying that uh, you would be okay with hearing uh, in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. You hear like the stalking music, the Harry Manfredini music. You hear the. No, I can't. I can't agree with you on that one. I'm just saying. Nah, bro. <laughs> but I mean, Let, he can still express affection to his mother, run up to her, hug her, jump up and down, <laughs> stalk creepily in the woods. Well, you know. Um. <laughs> sorry, I just happened to have that sound like literally queued up. That, <laughs> like, that was super. That was that was funny, but. Uh, uh, yeah, there are there are a few um, uh, logical fallacies in this movie, as there are with all, every Friday the Thirteenth movie. Um, 
can we take a minute to talk about the idea of uh, Jason keeping people like chained up and just like kidnapping people, which is weird. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think he, uh, I didn't get in the movie that he keeps people chained up because he keeps, what's her name chained up. But I think she was a special case. I think they were trying to allude back to the one girl that puts on the sweater and convinces him that, that, that he's, you know, that she's her, his mother because they make it a point of uh, saying that the picture in the locket looks like her. And I think that's a young Pamela Moore. Yeah. What, uh, Whitney, yeah. Whitney Miller, I think is, uh, yes. um, but, uh, but also like he's got the setup down there for, um, sex dungeon slash keeping people prisoner, which is a little weird. Um, yeah, that, that always kind of threw me. But I will give them credit for uh, one of the really cool things. Like, they tried to answer some of those lingering questions about Jason. Like, how can he be everywhere? And how does he move so fast? And this and that. With the series of tunnels underneath the camp. And, yeah. you know, solid at least attempt at answering that question. I, I like the tunnels. I especially like the collection of stuff, like the, the, the whistles from the camp council. Yeah. And everything. In fact, he collects mementos. I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was, that was really nice. Uh, although, uh, uh, looking on, uh, you know, IMDb, uh, when I'm watching these movies and such, I like to look at the trivia and, and things. And one of the trivia is, it actually says, like, if you look closely, you can, you can see, you know, the wheelchair. It's in the background back there. It's a, a nod to uh, uh, what's his name from what part two, part three. Oh yeah. And I'm like, and so I'm watching it. I'm like, what do you mean if you look closely? Jared Padalecki actually shines his flashlight on the wheelchair. It's a frame. Yeah, you have to look closely at the center of your television. Mostly my ass. He's literally going, look at this, guys. <laughs> Here's a witch. If you notice, it's uh, very uh, awkwardly hidden in plain sight. <laughs> so. It's, um, you, know, you really have to look for it. It's a wink to, at the camera. Uh, also, keeping in the Friday the 13th tradition, we'll get to. Uh, when we talk about characters, but, uh, um, you know, continuing the tradition of, Oh, we have a pretty, pretty well-known actor in this one. You know, at the time, Kevin Bacon wasn't really well-known and Crispin Glover was just getting started when he was in his Friday, the 13th movie. And, uh, uh, Kelly who in, uh, Jason takes Manhattan. So you have, you have somewhere you have, uh, some pretty well-known people, uh, from Supernatural, Jared Padalecki making an appearance as uh, the main character who's not in it a whole lot, but he looks super weird riding that motorcycle. Yeah. Like, that's not his mode of transportation that I would expect him to be in, but uh, maybe it's because I'm just conditioned for him 
uh, in Supernatural that it looks weird. Like, why is Sam riding a motorcycle? Um, the same in the passenger side of the Impala. It, yeah, he just needs to be like. I would I would be okay with just seeing like the right side of a car driving, and he's just <laughs> sitting in the passenger seat. He never sees the driver. It no. No. Yeah. There's just there's no left side of the car at all, and he's just riding along. That's it. Uh, not allowed to change the radio, and that's it. Um, but he does add a bit of uh, credibility to it, and it also takes the place of. Um, do you guys remember? I know you guys do. The uh, I think it was '08. The uh, the great Hollywood writer strike. Oh yeah. That uh, cut a bunch of TV shows short. Uh, their seasons like half episode, half season, half episodes long. And uh, a lot of movies had to wait. And um, apparently that was that was during season three of Supernatural, and which actually really helped season three of Supernatural because it made it a whole lot better. Um, it made it a lot better by shortening it out because it took away some of the filler episodes and made it just a, a better season yeah. overall. And did have to kind of streamline the the season. Yeah. Hot more core story. Right. Um, but one of the episodes that was pitched and actually written uh, for season three was uh, the, the Winchesters go to Camp Crystal Lake. Hmm. And uh, there's a couple interviews where you can see uh, with some of the writers um, and some of the people involved in Supernatural that 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 was an idea that had been fleshed out and they had contacted um everybody for the rights they were in the middle of getting the rights squared away so they could do it and the season got cut short so that was one of the episodes because the rights hadn't been officially like completely locked down uh it was easy to cut um and so it was one of the episodes that unfortunately got cut but as sort of a uh, consolation prize we get Sam Winchester in a Friday the 13th movie, so just that next year. So, not so bad. We get half of the Winchester. Yeah. we get, uh, Dean was out in uh, the little town of Harmony dealing with a mine situation at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, he was a little busy. But, uh, yeah, so just a, a fun little, like, a fun little make good that was... Um, you know, could have, uh, what could have been, because I would have loved to have seen Supernatural goes to Camp Crystal Lake. Same, that would have been a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, that would have been something to remember the, the good Supernatural times from. <laughs> yeah. Like most of all Supernatural. I like all of I really like the in first five seasons. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mind after. See, I know this isn't a supernatural discussion, but I didn't mind after season five. After season five, uh, except for that first season, after season five, they really didn't have any direction. You can tell it; it just didn't. Right after that, yeah, I, I was okay. They got back on track with me a little bit. That was okay. Yeah. Well, you know. Um. So next week we'll talk about uh, the first five seasons of Supernatural on the on this <laughs> podcast because uh, um, that's what we've become. No, um, 
I, I remember being so excited for uh, actually to actually see a Friday the Thirteenth movie again in theaters, and uh, I was I was out of college at the time, so it was it was real exciting. I hadn't been to um, see a a real Friday the Thirteenth movie in theaters since Jason X. Um, part of the proud. <laughs> Nine million, or however much money it made, uh, not much. Um, and uh, so, you know, seeing Jason on the big screen always makes me happy. But uh, you know, um, little did I know that going to see it that one time would be the last time I would be seeing Jason in theaters for a very long time. Um, I couldn't even see the original Friday the 13th in theaters this year because uh, Fathom Events was doing like a special re-release at the beginning of the month. They were doing uh, like through, um, uh, what are they called? Regal Cinemas. Uh, they were they were showing, they had two showings of the original Friday the 13th for its 40th anniversary. And they shut down all the Regal Cinemas before it could play. Uh oh. So uh that's, that's very sad. Very sad. Yep. Well, you know, maybe there's always next oh Oh bow, bow. If we could ever get 41st this first anniversary. Yeah, if we could ever get this damn lawsuit figured out. Maybe no. they'll just give us the rights. If we ask if we ask politely, do you think someone will just give them to us? Um I mean, hey, right now... It's not to let gun media do anything with it. Oh, God, for the love of God, no. See, right now is the perfect time to make anything Friday the 13th because technically, like, nobody can really sue you. Like, they can sue you, but, like, by the time anything gets forward with it, they might not have the rights. So, like, people are making Friday the 13th fan films and stuff, like, crazy. No, yeah, because who's going to get them in trouble right now? Um... So that's it, like now is like the best time if you're a Friday the 13th fan to watch all kinds of fan films and stuff like that. People are pumping out new content because they know it's like, well, who's going to sue me? The rights are tied up. The, the, the opposite side of that coin is everyone, everyone could sue you. At least one of them will eventually stink. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like they got to hope that uh, uh, they got to hope that they win. Because uh, they're they're gonna file a lawsuit, and then they'll lose the other lawsuit, and then their court fees will go down the drain. Yeah, but nobody really cares about fan films right now. No, no, no. They're they're all just worried about getting the main rights. Yeah, because then they then they want to they want that LeBron James money to make a new one. I have no idea what that means. Uh, LeBron James uh, threw his hat in the ring for uh, he he has he has said he wants to make a new Friday the Thirteenth movie, um, and yeah, like he's he's like ready to go, but no one wants to do anything because uh, uh, all the rights are just a colossal disaster. So, but yeah, he has, like there's like three people, three like companies that are trying to that, that are expressing interest in making a Friday the 13th movie so whoever wins this lawsuit 
to get the rights is going to have their choice of who that they who they want like it is right now like it is a popular commodity so yeah good for and, them i just uh, i i want it to go somewhere who's going to take care of it and i'm not sure like if i want a continuation or if i want a relaunch or what you know yeah i would like to get a continuation of this film just to know how they 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 handle that ending oh you want a continuation to this one Yes. Okay. Yeah, I want a continuation to this one. I thought this was a really good reboot. I'm calling it a reboot. Yeah, you um, should. It's a reboot. Yeah, um, I thought it was a really good reboot. I like the concept. I love the fact that it starts, it covers everything one through four. You know, just kind of smushes it all together, adds some new new, uh, new twists and new uh, concepts. Um and then you get that uh, homage to the original lake jump scare at the end of it uh, again. So I, I'd like to know where they, how do they continue? Where do they go? I, I want to know. My mind is inquiring. Well, we'll get to uh, all of that at the very, very end when we hear everybody's reviews and ratings. Um, and before we get there, one last time, we got to get to everybody's favorite section, and that is, the music of Friday the 13th, the reboot, and... One thing that was interesting was uh, they did bring back some Harry Manfredini cues, so that was good uh, because they said that they appreciated and understood the um, the significance of them and um, what they meant for history. So that was good. I appreciated that. Um, uh, there were, uh, you know, a Night Ranger song in there. Um, another one of these that had uh, a Hive song in there. Um, a couple of these, um, like like a lot of um, horror movies around this time, uh, some licensed music, you know, we got away from in Freddy versus Jason, we talked about how it was, you know, the soundtrack was, was 20 songs of, you know, industrial metal, um, and mm-hmm. new, what a new metal, whatever the shit it's called. Cause I hate it. Um, and I don't hate well, we it. We all have good taste, I guess. I know. Right. But we deal with you anyway. Um, <laughs> see how I turned that around. I'm just kidding, Ooh. buddy. I love you. Um, uh, and um but but this one uh took more of a back to the roots kind of approach with a lot more um you know the instrumental stuff the the uh the orchestral musical score um music cue that kind of thing uh which i greatly appreciated because i'm an old school guy like that i must be getting different copies of the movies cuz my uh, copies don't have any music <laughs> Uh, I'm kind of with Scott on this one. There's not a lot of music that really stuck out to me, you know, nothing. It, it just felt very blandish. Yeah, I can see that. 
Yeah, like the the only actual music cues that I remember while watching this movie was the the, the very definitive, you know, the the music cue when he uh, when he discovers the the, the hockey mask when he, when he uncovers it and it's it's just lit there, you know. You get that one music cue. That's like the only music I remember at all playing. I, I don't remember anything, any any other songs at all playing. While I was watching. None. It's very um, understated. Like the, uh, uh, a lot of the music is very, very understated, which I think is for the best. Um, it doesn't detract from anything going on. You know, on screen, it's uh, well done. I, I, yeah, you're gonna find out. I, I actually, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, just well put together. Yeah, I, I appreciated the uh, bringing back Harry Manfredini music cues. Um, not as much detracting licensed music that just kind of feels shoved in there like uh, a couple other movies. Um, overall, I thought it was very well done. I don't have to take your word for it. <laughs> you should. All right. Uh, we're still, we'll, uh, we'll shift to uh, um, visual effects because now we're not really in... Um, makeup effects anymore uh asylum visual effects created the digital effects um oh even though uh the director has come out and said uh marcus nispel i almost want to call it nipsel but it's nispel um had uh, touted the fact going into production of the movie that he's he's a big practical effects guy um, mm-hmm. and did not want a lot of digital stuff in it. Uh, so the way that it ended up working was um, there were 10 crew members from Asylum Visual Effects that worked on this movie, uh, and they worked on uh, and created digital effects for 25 shots. For the film. Oh, wow. Uh, that's it. And uh, really, the only times that they were given the responsibility of creating digital effects uh, is when um, they needed to protect any actors or if there was a specific shot or look that couldn't be achieved just by you know, practical on set with the cameras. Um, the perfect example is uh, early on uh, the, the death of Amanda where she's in the sleeping bag over the campfire. Um, so because that was considered to be too much of a risk, of course, for the actress, um, it's actually a composite. Of, yeah, I know. Right. In, in a sleeping bag dangling over a campfire um, they actually, um, it's, it's a composite of two different shots. Um, it was a real campfire and it was, uh, that shot was blended 
with footage of the hanging sleeping bag separately to make it into uh, one single shot. So nice. kind of cool. Uh, so that's, that's something that was a little bit different, like with, with a lot of CGI effects on movies like this, it will either be like, they'll shoot whatever with a green screen on set or, you know, with, with an element missing and then either, uh, in post, everything will be added or, you know, it will be laid on top of the practical effects that were done. Uh, to kind of enhance them. And in this one, they did a lot more in depth of, you know, composite shots, blending stuff together, uh, not just the traditional stuff to try and make it look better, look more realistic, look, you know, like a more cohesive film and more cohesive shot. So I definitely commend them for that because you can tell the difference where, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, we talked about um, Jason X had a lot of uh, computer-generated stuff that looked that way. Uh, Jason Goes to Hell had a lot of computer stuff that looked that way. Um, I don't think any of the, the, the special effects, the visual effects, detracted from the movie at all. I think they actually enhanced them. Yeah, no, I I, I loved uh, uh, when I read that they had done digital effects on this uh, in my research. Uh, one of the things that I found was some of the a lot of the digital effects had to do with with the creation of digital weapons. Um, I guess a lot of the machete blades uh, and, and stuff when when it does a lot of piercing things, but I couldn't tell just watching that something was obviously CGI or not. Yeah. I, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, hey, that's cool. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, I can, I can see it. I can see it. But nothing took me out of the movie, and I, I and just, just flashed up. Oh, hey, that's, wow, that's some really bad CGI. That's some really obvious CGI. So I really liked the, the, the blending in this movie. I, th- I thought it was, it was very well done. Agreed. Um, you know, the, uh, um, the shot of, uh, Jason launching the hatchet, um, for example, uh, of course, um, not, not exactly super safe. Uh, so asylum rendered a 3d model of that exact hatchet that was used, uh, in, and then they uh, went frame by frame and inserted that model in um, so that it would be seamless. So, like, you know, he picks up the hatchet and, go, and throws it. Um, blend, they blended that with the 3D model of the exact hatchet so that it didn't look like, um, you know, a completely like, oh, we just downloaded a, a picture of a hatchet or we got a different hatchet to scan it was close enough uh because it's going so fast that no one's going to know like they went through the trouble of like they took the exact one did it scanned it made the 3d model so that they could use that so um they at least really really tried to make it look good yeah they did a beautiful job i, I love that 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 scene 
that was uh, I, I was I was really happy uh, when that happened uh, to see a d- departure from uh, machete slashing and stabbing. Yeah, there's 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 a, a, a lot. Uh, th- th- there's a few variants. Um, and uh, speaking of that, with uh, with visual effects, always comes one of our most popular sections: favorite kill, butt soup barns. <laughs> See our fourth member. Um, what was everybody's favorite kill in this movie? Um, this this one did have some really really good kills. There were a lot of, of like I said, uh, machete slashes and stabs and stuff. Sometimes I just I get tired of the machetes. I, I like to see other kills, but the machetes okay, but it is kind of. Uh... When, when, when you've got, like, you know, 15, 20 people getting killed and, like, two-thirds of them are just a machete slash uh, or a machete stab. Uh, but um, my favorite one, though, was uh, Veronica Mars' dude. Uh, I love the arrow through the head from out of freaking Nolan? <laughs> I don't know. He's in Veronica Mars. Yeah, his, his well, the character's name is Nolan. I know that because I was just looking it up to talk about my favorite kill of the movie. Damn. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> bad. Because I, I'm, I'm with you. It just comes completely out of nowhere. And then, you know, you almost end up getting the double kill because he gets shot through the head and falls over on the steering wheel, which doesn't make a lot of sense because if you see it just barreling towards you, picking up speed, wouldn't you swim 10 feet to... You know, either your left or right. You would or, think or so. Under or something. Yeah. Know, try to get away from the boat. Um, personally, I thought we were robbed on that because I was really hoping to, to see the, a prop kill. You know. Yeah. With her, but. Well, you still kind of she gets stabbed in the head and then pulled up. So yeah. that's basically just Jason giving us, uh, "Oh, uh, she's dead, but here's a little look at the tits." Okay, cool. Titties. Hey, don't don't ever argue. Or criticize a movie for adding additional boobs. But, I mean, that brought me, you know, I, I had an internal debate in my head when I saw that. I'm like, oh, hey, boobs, again. But wait, she's dead. So is there is there like a time frame of when it becomes creepy? You know, how, how long after, you know, a person being violently killed is still looking at her boobs acceptable? And where does that line cross? Uh, I think uh, time of death. Um, I think up until up until death, it's fine. Once it's after death, it's weird. So does that mean it's still okay until you can get a doctor on site to call it? No, like once you know that, once you know they're dead. Uh, like for example, I'll give you uh, give you an example in uh, a Friday the Thirteenth example. Uh, everybody thinks it's super creepy in Friday the Thirteenth, the final the final chapter, when uh, Axel at the morgue. When they bring uh, the body in, and he says, "Oh, cute girl," and the guy says, "She was," and he says, "Well, she still is." If you just and they're like, "Oh, oh, oh," <laughs> like gross, Number. because she's dead. Like once you know somebody is dead, or have a pretty good idea that someone's dead, you probably 
Like that's that, that that's a good place to call it. Yeah, but she's got the machete in her head. Yeah. You know, I mean, even if she's not, even if her heart hasn't stopped beating yet, brain function is pretty much uh, you know gone shit at this point. So that's like, my question: What point does it become creepy? Uh, yeah, as soon as, uh, like immediately upon death. I, I that's my opinion. I might be wrong, but that's my opinion. People might disagree with me, but yeah, my opinion is um, immediately upon expiration. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because then you're on a special list. <laughs> yep. You don't want to be on that list. Um, uh, there, what's the, there's a meme online that says, like, you know, it's like one of those like Google questions. It's like, is there sex after death? And the uh, uh, Response to the top response was just depends on who your coroner is. Oh god! Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Too much? Not enough? Uh, so my favorite kill was. <laughs> we're just gonna steer this speedboat back on track. <laughs> um, my favorite kill was part of the prologue. It was the aforementioned uh, sleeping bag over the campfire. Mm. Um, it's a terrific throwback to. The sleeping bag kill of part seven. Uh, it is. It is one of the few situations in a Friday the Thirteenth movie or in a horror movie in general where I look at it and I'm just like that, like that's unsettling for me to think about being in that situation. Like, take it out of the movie. Like that's fucked up. Like. I could not imagine being in that situation. Like I, I couldn't handle myself. So, um, for that alone, I have to give it my favorite kill. Understandable. I have to, it's the law. It was, yeah, it really, it sends a shiver up your spine, you know, like, oh shit. Damn. Uh, and then when she, when she drops out of the bag, is she still smoking? Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, Kind of fucked up, like. So I have to, I have to give it that just as. Plus, I also want to shine another spotlight on that amazing prologue. It was, um, if because I don't know if if we're talking about are we are we talking about characters now? Or are we moving into that? Or we haven't gotten to characters yet. We're still talking about okay. kills, but we're here in about a minute. We're going to be moving into characters. Um. Yeah, I did. I, I liked. Uh, I love the bear trap uh, as well. I know that didn't kill him. That was no, him. but oh my uh, god, yeah, that that sucks. Yeah, because you know he's pulling and pulling, and you see the you got the, the skin is tearing and everything. That was. Uh, I, I yeah, I say that sucks because like it sucks to be in that spot because that looks like that's like a cringy like ooh. So that one was good. Um, then of course he gets the, the machete to the face, which, yeah. which classic, the, the ax throw going back to your, your, yep. your effects. That was just a hell of a throw. That was, that was wonderful. And then to make matters worse, you know, he turns him over and just, just pushes him down onto the ax. Um, yeah, that's one thing you got to say for this, this movie and this Jason is he may not have like a lot of creative kills because there's, you know, a lot of mundane stuff, but when he does get creative, he gets creative. Yeah. 
the the screwdriver slow up under the chin into the brain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about the um, uh, the? Oh yeah, I, I, I suppose I should probably save it to characters. But what about the uh, the kill of the inbred weed farmer? You um, want to buy some weed? Yeah, like, hey man, like, look, oh, you, you, you can have that man, you, you, you weird looking fuck, like, what a, what a. Um, honestly, I was when I saw him, I was expecting him to go into his wood chamber. Oh, we could only wish. Yeah, that's Ken. Like the first time you see it, that's the first, like that's the first place I thought it was going to. Um. I don't know. There just wasn't. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with Scott on this. A lot of the some of the kills just felt kind of bland to me. So yeah, I can see that. Oh, and then you get. I mean, you then you get uh, uh, perfectly placed nipple girl. Yeah, it's, it's the antlers, antlers spectacular. Uh, stupendous. Yeah, stupendous. stupendous. That's the one. Uh, what a what an awful awful line. Yeah. Who. Uh, if I ever use stupendous to describe a pair of titties that are in my hands, come on, bro. Yeah. Come right. on. Ugh. Um, yeah, no thanks. Um, so now I guess is a good time. Uh, we will move on to uh, how about something like. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. And this one actually was Friday the 13th, so not in June, which was his birthday, but you know. Um, characters, and then we'll talk about first-time Jason actor in this one. But uh, we, have a, we have a shit ton of characters in this one um, with the combination of the prologue and the actual movie itself, uh, highlighted by uh, Jared Padalecki and a bunch of other people uh, you have your generic black guy, your generic Asian guy, your generic uh, rich guy, your one percenter. Um, you have pretty much all the stereotypes uh, that are represented and not really fleshed out beyond their one dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the guy that, uh, the, the, the Asian guy that apparently has a drinking from boot fetishes or sneakers. Hey, his name is Chewy, and he's yeah. hilarious. I mean, he's funny, but uh, yeah, he's he's incredibly one-dimensional, uh, much like almost every character. That's my one like, yeah, my one issue with this movie is the characters are there are there are three characters that are well developed, and everybody else is just they might as well be cardboard cutouts. Well, when it came to the characters in this movie, I actually I actually like the prologue characters a lot better than the, the main storyline characters. You know, the the, the, the prologue people because the yeah. main storyline you've got so you've got the Trent, the the rich guy, who is basically hired to play his 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 character from Transformers. They've got the same name. I mean Literally, he's playing the exact same character from Transformers 2007. Which means that Transformers and Friday the 13th are now officially in the same universe. Yeah. Yes. You know, they're both Trent, same actor, and the same character, like same acting. Um, you've got Veronica Mars dude is playing his Veronica Mars character. 
literally every every character in this is is hired because they want them to be who they've played otherwise. Yeah, who they've been before. Yeah, Jared Padalecki is Sam. He's playing Sam. Um, and then the other two guys, um, I call them Kmart, Harold, and Kumar. <laughs> Because they're all about the weed and, and, and everything the entire time. In fact, they've even named the bomb. Uh, look, that is a long-standing tradition. Yeah, I get that. No, I get that the, the, the whole drug humor is a long-standing tradition, but, like, literally nobody else really cares about the weed except for uh, the stoner nerd from um, uh, the prologue, who was a much more interesting character than either of these two. I'm, How dare you? Is there Kmart, Harold, and Kumar? How dare you? And, and sorry, Chewy. I, I, I just I didn't care for Chewy. He just no. He's a damn bull in a china shop. The man can't walk two feet without breaking something. That's true, but he tries to fix it. No, he doesn't. He never actually makes an attempt to fix anything. He goes to the the, the tool shed to get tools to fix the chair that he broke, and he gets distracted by. Uh, what the fuck did he get a basketball? Yeah, well, he, you know, um, I, I was going to make an excuse for him, but, you know. No, Kmart, Harold, and Kumar. The only redeeming factor, the only redeeming quality was the, the black guy, because he went to rescue his friend. He was not leaving him alone. Got yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's a solid he, bro, man. Even though he took a stir-fry pan to defend himself with? Hey, he took a walk. And if you'll notice, he's holding it, because I, I was like, why is he holding it like that? He's holding it like a shield. I'm like, Actually, that's not a bad idea for that. He didn't use it as a weapon. He took it as a shield. Then, of course, the first night of trouble, he drops it, so he's a little bit of an idiot there. But, <laughs> well, I guess the best offense is a good defense. I don't know. Um, I thought, hey, that, that's not a bad idea. I, I kind of like Yeah, uh, I mean, it's uh, not a great idea, but it's not a bad idea. Not a great, enough, not there have been worse ideas. Have been. Um, so, yeah. Now, uh, one of the other characters that I like in, in this movie, and I think she doesn't get near enough screen time as what she deserves, is the uh, the the, uh, uh, the creepy old lady that Jared Padalecki visits that's kind of like an Ethel-Ralph combo. Yeah dog um she needed more screen time and she needed to call somebody a big dildo uh, <laughs> that's all I, that's all i know but she, i liked her for the for the little bit that she was on screen i liked her i thought she was good i thought that that she was at least a um a more creative and interesting take on the prophet of doom stereotype character that we normally get like much better than like the guy from the third one that has the eyeball or, um, you know, some of the other people like the, the, the guy on the boat in part eight that, uh, you're all going to die. Like, you know, I, I at least felt like she was a little more creative and better in that role than some of the others that we've had before. So I give credit. Yeah. Um, I would, I've seen her had just just a, a, a tad more screen time on that. I was kind of hoping that it was going to be like a uh, Lake Placid situation 
where like it had turned out that like she was feeding Jason the whole time and like teaching him to kill like Betty White with the alligator in Lake Placid. <laughs> like I thought that would have been a really great very, twist. Very hard pressed for anybody to come close to Betty White Lake Placid status. <laughs> oh, that's true. Like I was waiting for them to be like, well, how did he get so big? How did he grow? You know, and and become like like learn all this stuff and like. She is like one of these, uh, like Unabomber style, like anti-government, anti-people thing, and uh, so she has trained him and fed him and like made him into a a a killing machine. And after the sequel, yeah. Oh God, I would have loved it. I would have loved every second of that with how goofy and over the top that was. Because I would be like, well, they at least made a shot at explaining uh, that character. Um. You know that character trait. So there you go. They tried to answer that question. And and talking about you know where Jason's being, you know where he gets, you know when, when does he eat? Because we never see him eat. You know that type of thing. How does he survive? How does he you know over the last twenty years? Dying uh, with characters, but with 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 Whitney uh, finally getting out and escaping after being chained up underground for six weeks plus. Almost, you know, a month and a half going on two months. She's pretty spry. There's no, she's not weak at all. There's no, you know, muscle mass lost. I mean, she is full on running with no problems at all. She's, uh, I don't know. She, she's one of the, she's in remarkable shape for being chained to a bed for almost two months. Well, he feeds he feeds uh, the good stuff trapped up in the Jason sex dungeon. You get three full meals a day. You get the three squares. Yeah. Three hot, three hot. Yep. So yeah, she's fine. Um, so yeah, I like I like the characters from the prologue a lot better than the the cookie cutter. Hey, here's an amalgam of characters from the '90s and early 2000s that everybody liked, and other things. We're just going to put them all in one movie. Yeah, it, it was kind of like a greatest hits, um, you know, glossing over a bunch of stuff, uh, hitting the high notes, almost like a, um, uh, like, well, yeah, like literally like a greatest hits CD. Like, you know, you you try and hit all the high notes and leave out all the stuff that people were like, eh, I mean, that was okay, but, um, uh, you know, and including one of the things that they left out was, uh, Kane Hodder or anybody else returning as Jason and bringing in Derek Mears as Jason for the very first time. This is a new, more agile, mobile, hostile Jason. Uh, Jason runs in this one. Jason is crafty. Uh, it's an all-new Jason. How did you guys feel about Derek Mears and the representation of Jason in this movie? I thought he was fine. Um, I didn't really think there was a lot of standout stuff he did. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I mean, he had the physical uh, intimidating screen presence, which is always a plus. Yeah. Personally, uh, I, I love Jason in this one. Um, uh, I mean, you know, he's, he sets traps. He's 
obviously cultivated the tunnel system. I don't know if he completely made it or found part of it, but he's cultivated it over time specifically to turn the entire Camp Crystal Lake into a, a hunting ground. Um, and uh, 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 you know, he was using just like they said, he was using the, the he hit the bike out of the axe. He was using him to try and draw the others out. Once he realized that wasn't happening, he just went ahead and finished that kill um, and moved on to to what he needed to do next. Um, yeah, uh, I I love this Jason. I, I I thought this one was a was a very good take on the character. Part of the reason why I want to see more. Fair. Even uh, coming up on 12 years later, you still want to see a continuation from this story? I do. Okay. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed the more... It, it, it was a very brutal Jason and a you know, like a no-nonsense. Like, we've sometimes seen Jason play with people and... Um, you know, set, set traps, set, um, you know, set up people for other people to find them and kind of toy with people. And this Jason was kind of a no nonsense, like not fucking around. He was there to just kill, like he would arrive, kill, leave. He was a, a very different, um, very different kind of Jason, which was a fun one to watch because, you know, up uh, up until that point, we've had kind of a a slow moving, but like he's gonna get you. And this one, it was there was no real place you could hide. Like he was coming for you. Like Booker T for Hulk Hogan? Oh, ooh, no, not like that. No, okay. don't YouTube that. No, <laughs> don't do that. Um, See, I give him a thumbs up. I give Derek Mears a thumbs up uh, in his performances, Jason. Um, they uh, they managed to give him a couple different looks, you know, the bag head and the hockey mask, um, and he pulled them both off well, so uh, carried himself very well. Um, and if you listen to him talk about it, he had a lot of fun doing it. He, uh, he really enjoys the Friday the 13th series, so I'm, ha- I'm happy for him that he got to play him. Um, and I thought his performance was good. So nice. As far as his look, the only the only thing I didn't didn't care for is they kind of gave him a, like longer, stringier hair than Jason's ever had before. You know, almost like down to the shoulder kind of hair. Yeah. Uh, and as far as just his look, I, I didn't care for the hair. I would have rather him just had no hair. That would have that would have made me happy. I like hair on my Jasons. <laughs> That's I like a good bikini waxed smooth Jason. What? That's gross. <laughs> Get out. Um, that's yeah. That's pretty gross. Uh, the makeup effects uh, initially took three and a half hours to apply uh, just to the head and torso. Like they didn't do anything legs or anything like that. It was literally head and torso. Um, but for, uh, the hockey mask stuff, eventually they got it down to one hour. So, um, Damn. the, uh, the scenes where he has to have his face out and uh, his mask is off, uh, four hours to put the makeup on. 
So, um, uh, they said that, uh, the hockey mask was inspired by the third and fourth movies. Um, and, uh, you know, they were trying to make him a, uh, more lean and agile Jason by saying that, uh, you know, giving the implication that he just doesn't eat as much, uh, was what they were trying to get across with that. So, um, he didn't eat a whole lot, but he gave plenty of food to, uh, his, his captive. Well, Jason. Yeah. True that. Um. So I think that brings us to the very end for the 12th time. We will give our overall reviews and ratings. I give this one four and a half. I enjoy wow. it. Wow. I like watching this. Let me um, write that one down. Four and a half. Wow. It's entertaining. Uh, it's got some creative kills. Even though the the characters are quite, like you said, cookie cutter, um, uh, the focus once you get to the point where you have the cookie cutter characters, the, the focus really is on Jason at that point, uh, and just how you know he's stalking and and, and killing each one of them. Um, uh, I, I like Jason in the movie overall. I thought it was a good reboot. I thought it was a good movie. I know it gets a lot of hate from people. At least I've heard it get hate from, from people. Um, I, I really want to see a continuation. I want to see where they go with the story. I don't want it to just completely die. I thought it was a good foundation for a new series. Um, uh, and I just, I just overall, I enjoyed it. It was, it was good. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I enjoyed it as well. Apparently not quite as much as Scott did, but um, I mean, I, th- I think it's, a solid reboot if they they were going to take it in that direction. I think it's better than uh, a few others. I think the issue is it kind of falls into that category that a lot of these other late aughts or like basically 2000s remakes kind of fell into of um <laughs> I just don't find there to be a ton that differentiates it or I know it's basically a hodgepodge of the first three or four movies, but I just, if you're going to take it in a different direction, take it in a different direction. You know, if you're hyping it up to be a reboot or, uh, you know, something like that, then do it. Give me something I haven't seen, especially the same machete kill 15 times in one one movie. Uh, so three and a half. All right. Three and a half. Then I have to agree with you on give, give me, give me less machete kills. Give me no. less vanilla machete kills. I, I agree with you on that. Okay. Man, when we started this thing, I didn't know that we would ever get here. <laughs> reviews for the reboot. It felt like such a long time away. And now that it's here, it's a little bittersweet uh, coming to the end of all of these movies. And I also have very bittersweet feelings about this movie because um, I very, very, very much enjoy it for exactly what it is. It is 
an attempt to clean up the mess of 11 movies before it and, you know, answer a few things, straighten up a few things, just completely canceling out a few things to try and carve a path forward that makes sense, is fun to watch, and reminds you why you like the movies in the first place. And I think on almost every single one of those, it checks all of those boxes. The only downside is it paved a way for nothing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of setup for stuff that, you know, we never see when we, we never will see come to fruition. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of potential that, you know, could have been realized down the road. You can't judge a movie based on what doesn't happen in sequels. You have to judge it for itself. Um, and there are shortcomings. There are painfully one-dimensional characters, like to the point where it physically hurts how poorly some of these characters are written. Um, plot holes that are giant, um, but as is the going trend with a lot of Friday the 13th movies, but at the end of the day, this movie is so fun to watch because it, it is a back-to-basics, buckle-up, balls-to-the-wall slasher movie at heart. It hits every high note that you like to see a slasher hit. Um, it has great you know, uh, stalking sequences. It has great tension. Um, it has, while it does have a lot of generic kills, it does have some very creative stuff. Um, it has a, an intimidating killer. It has, you know, just a lot of, there, there's a lot to be had in this movie. And it, while it does have shortcomings, it is worthy of my four out of five rating. Okay. It's a strong end. Uh, the back half of the Friday the 13th series is very rough. Um, from <clears throat> all, it, it is, it is with, with very few exceptions, uh, it is very tough to watch. Uh, part seven tries real hard, but it just, it doesn't do it for me. Eight, nine, Freddy versus Jason. They just don't strike the Friday, the 13th vibe that I'm looking for. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost a tale of two franchises in the same franchise. Uh, you have the first half, you have the second half, and then you have a couple weird, you know, anomalies mixed in. Um, you know, if we could have switched part five and Jason X, then I would say the first half is perfect and the last half can go to hell. Um, but, you know, the reboot ends it on 
a strong, fun, competently made slasher movie. And, you know, that's at this point and at that point in the series, that's literally all I could ever ask for. So four out of five is what I got to give it. Well, and that ends up being the overall consensus then, because Scott went four and a half, I went three and a half, which averages us out to four. Yep. Which I still think puts this on the higher end of the spectrum for us. Which is good. I think it should be. Uh, it deserves yeah. to be. Uh, and it's a it's a positive way to end it. If we would have ended this on, uh, you know, if we would have done this series in 1996 or 1997, when the last two were Jason takes Manhattan and Jason goes to hell, this would be a really sad series because um, we would have ended it on a really bad note, but we've ended it on the last few have actually been an uptick, which makes it even sadder that the franchise is in limbo because it's like, it's on, you could look at it creatively and see it was on an upswing. Uh, and here we are trapped so that ends part 12 of our 13 part series and i know what you're thinking well there's 12 mm -hmm. movies there's 13 parts of the series what are we going to do next week well next week we're going to go a little bit differently we're going to do things a little different and next week Instead of an audio podcast, we're going to have a little video because uh, we took a little adventure and we visited a Friday the 13th shooting location. We visited the, uh, the state park and a few surrounding areas of, uh, in Georgia where the, uh, the, the shooting took place for Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. And uh, we have put that together into a little video. And uh, so we're going to show you, um, you know, what some of these sets looked like and what are these, some of these locations looked like during the shooting and what they look like now. And uh, we have a few high spots. Uh, I think we've got three really, really good locations that we hit uh, that are memorable from the movie uh, that you will be able to pick out exactly what they are. Um, we're going to do some side-by-sides, but uh, we're going to have that for you next week because it is Friday the 13th next week. So Yay! what better way to do that? So what, what better way to celebrate? So uh, we're going to hit that. So that's going to be fun. But you guys, this has been, I can't thank you enough for taking this journey with me. I remember texting um, both of you way back in like the beginning of the summer. And I said, I've got a crazy idea. I think this would be awesome. And you guys were like, yeah, without even really thinking about it, you guys were like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. And we started recording these. And it took us a while, but we got here. We made it. And uh, uh, so now I won't bother you guys again to do a special series until uh, next year's Halloween stuff. Um, yeah. and, and oh boy, uh, do I have, uh, do I have a, a project for us for Halloween next year? 
But uh, Hell yeah. I'll tell you that when we shut this off. But uh, if you liked hearing it, um, if you liked hearing our series, you can uh, and you want to hear more, you want to see us do more of these special things, um, hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash FWB podcast. Uh, give us a like, give us a share. Um, and we will, uh, of course, appreciate that. We use those funds to uh, to help uh, re, re reinvest into the show to give you guys more more content, more everything. So, um, uh, we appreciate all of your support as always. That's where I'm going to leave it off. Yep. God damn it, Scott. But, oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi. Hello. I'm Chris for another 12 or so hours. Ah. I think maybe, um, yeah. I love you. <sighs> All right. Well, it's been an adventure, guys. It has. It has. You know, I'm really happy that Scott doesn't get to join us anymore. Oh. Um, so for Chris, Chris, and I smell bullshit on your name being Chris. <laughs> Thanks for sticking through all this with us. Thanks for being our friends. And uh, wait, no, that comes later. Thanks for uh, checking us out. Thanks for sticking with us through the good and the bad. You know, I already mentioned Scott, so there's the bad for you. And uh, thank you, guys, for being our friends with benefits.